Um, so, I, I, I don't want to, like, steal Kevin's good evening, everybody, because it's not evening, it's the afternoon. Well, it's evening here. That's right. It's five o'clock somewhere. In this case, it's Kaylee. Half past <laughs> six. It's twenty past six, actually. Um, so, hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Angle Keys, Girls Run Heat, and it's under a made for Um, we're here to talk about books, because the three of us read a lot of books. Like, a lot, a lot of books. And some other geeky things that come up as they want to do. So we're gonna start by introducing ourselves. I am Raiden. Find me on Twitter as Redheaded Girl. I've been a geek uh, for a long time. I don't really know exactly when you can start counting these things. Um, and I said, "Hey, I want a podcast." Alina, Kaylee, you want to do a podcast? And they said, "Sure." Hi. <laughs> well, let's go geographically. Closest to Raiden is me, just across the border. Uh, I'm Alina on Twitter is at LJ Mystical. Uh, listeners of Made of Fail have heard me a couple of times. I also uh, did a Game of Thrones reread for a second time around, which was lots of fun. And then Raiden said, hey, do you want to do a podcast? <laughs> And I said, you mean I'm going to get a whole platform where I get to talk and other people have to listen to me about me? Awesome. I'm in. <laughs> and if you go across the pond, you get to me. My name's Kaylee. Um, that's on Twitter. That is Kayleanne in the Gaelic way. Good luck with that one. As you can tell, I'm Scottish, but I do put on the accent a little further to impress everybody because it's amazing. It is. Ooh, nice. <laughs> so many sticky situations, I'm telling you. Um, I alternatively geek out over books, films, and get very, very angry about politics, but you can't tell very often. I'm very subtle about it. I don't really rub it in anyone's faces that much. <laughs> um, <laughs> I review books at Sparkle Project and Book Lantern. I mainly concentrate on young adult literature, particularly with a feminist slant, which has gotten me into a lot of trouble. Um, you can look that one up if you're interested. Um, and basically, I, like, I'm here to further my annoying opinions through the medium of sound as well as through the medium of the written word. She said we just like having her accent yeah. given to the masses, so you're welcome. It like a class. <laughs> it classes to join up. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of Scottishness being used in a class to join up instead of tearing it down in an angry drunken way. I, feel I can do of... that if you want. We can save that for a, a later occasion. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad because, you know, I... I... I could have a really sexy Russian accent. You kind of do. No, I really don't. Yeah, you kind of do. It's not like thick and heavy, but there's a flavor there. Oh. It's a kind of a Canadian flavor, though. It's not Russian. No. I'm no Canadian, my dear, and I also know Russian, and you're more Russian. <laughs> I sound nothing like the rest of my family, though. Like my mother and sister-in-law, they, um, I could try, but then it kind of freaks my husband out. He does not like when they talk like this. Listen, <laughs> squirrel! <laughs> yeah, well, okay. You're talking about boring accents. I have a boring American Midwest Minnesota flavored with a little bit of Boston, but not a lot. Although, I could put on the Boston. You'll get a beer. 
pocket pods. If I ain't got a cod, there ain't no pocket sitting out in Hobby Yard. I don't know why people talk about pocket in Hobby Yard. Oh, that would be lovely. We could have a podcast where nobody could understand us. <laughs> <laughs> My accent is sort of lessened because I am in Edinburgh, and the Edinburgh Scottish accent's a lot more refined than where I'm from. Um, but I was out one night, and I was in a fish and chip shop, and this Glaswegian guy started chatting to me and asked where I was from. And I said my hometown, and then he said, no, whereabouts in America are you from? And I got really offended. Oh, oh. Like, I don't like getting called English, because usually when someone asks where in England you're from, they mean Britain, and there's an entire cultural right. discussion going there. But America really got to me. Yeah. I was like, you're Glaswegian, just because I'm not as Scottish as you, is that what it means? <laughs> add by the way to the end of every sentence, thank you. Oh. It's a very Glaswegian thing to do, is add by the way. <laughs> Doesn't need to make sense. Well... In Russian, I have an accent. People who are good, that kind of thing, can tell where uh, where my family's from when you speak Russian. Apparently, we have, I didn't realize, but apparently we have a very distinct dialect. Moscow has a very distinct dialect. You can always tell when a person's from Moscow. But they're kind of a world of the world. She <laughs> has this one big city that everybody outside it hates. Yeah. It is Toronto for Canada, so I'm kind of in the bubble when, I'm, when I moved here. I, I fell into that bubble. I don't know if Scotland has that. I mean, in case you go into Britain, you sort of get stereotypes about places like Manchester. I think for Scotland, it would probably be St Andrews because it's got a very, very high opinion of itself. But then again, so does Edinburgh. Edinburgh's a bit of a nightmare for that, actually. Oh, I think in the US, like, each city in each region has it. I'm better, I'm at least better than you. In Minnesota, we're like, we are fucking better than the islands. Iowa sucks. And Wisconsin's like, well, we're better than Minnesota. Like, yeah, but we're all better than Iowa, right? And I was like, hey! I will say the one is, I'm from near Dundee, but if someone says I'm Dundonian, it's a case of, how dare you, son? (laughs) (laughs) I am from 20 miles away from Dundee. Thank you, that's nowhere near that. I think Canadians are supposed to react like that to the implication that they're Americans. Like, if we travel in Europe and someone says, you're from America, we're supposed to go, I'm from Canada! Well, they tell us to just tell everybody that you're Canadian, because then people will hate you on site. Canada, Yeah. I mean, when I was in the UK, I was there for a month, a couple of years ago, to study abroad, and people, you know, I would open my mouth, and they go immediately, oh, where in the States are you from? <laughs> and then when I was in Sweden this summer, I mean, my Swedish is limited to Hello, bye, thank you, and I'm like, that's all you really need to know. Yep. And people weren't always clear, like, where my mom and I were from, which surprised me at the time, but thinking about it, that that's fine, because they, clearly they don't have the experience with the range of accents in English and someone asked me if I was from Holland. <laughs> you know, I wonder which language has the most accents, because I imagine English with its colonial spread would be quite up there. Yeah. Even just located in Britain in terms of accents for English, that's an interesting mm-hmm. one. Yeah. But even limited to Scotland, I don't understand half of what people from the north of Scotland say. <laughs> I had this Scottish uh, friend buddy once online, and he called me while drunk. <laughs> It was half an hour of me going, uh-huh. Scotland continue. Was he drunk? Was he beating someone up? Was he ginger? 
I don't know about Ginger. I'm fairly certain no beatings happened, but I do know for a fact that he was drunk, and I could not <laughs> understand a syllable out of his mouth. Oh, that was an experience, though. I was in, um, I went down to Dumfries and Galloway, which is on the, the southwest of Scotland for my internship, and there would be moments where I just couldn't understand the words someone was saying, so I would just do the sort of smile and politely nod, which got me out of a lot of sticky situations. Not so much when I was phoning people, but, you know, I, I cope, because you know, that's what interns do. Yeah, that could be dangerous. I mean, you never know what people are saying. So you want to get together later for a swingers party? <laughs> sure, yeah. Sounds like fun. Oh, that's a bad mixture of images regarding my internship where the average age is about 74. Oh. <laughs> well, that's probably the age where they really get into it. <laughs> Well, when all your town is full of the second-hand bookshops, you've got to have other hobbies. Oh, I'll have to tell you about the internship at some point, so... Second-hand would be a really good name for a swingers club. Oh! oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've actually right. segued into what we wanted to talk about, right, which is which our is recent travels. Our recent travels, <laughs> right. That's, That's, next travel. That's right. So it's Sweden and the internship, and I was in Louisiana visiting in-laws during Hurricane Isaac, and yes. almost died in a car crash. Exciting. But you yeah. didn't. That's important. I didn't. Well, for others, I wouldn't care, but yes, I'd be dead. But, you know, it's all about me and how I feel, and I wouldn't be sad, but... Aww. <laughs> sweet. That's sweet in a very self-centered kind of way. It's an interesting way to say you care. I would be sad if you died in a car crash. <laughs> they need a Valentine's with that on it. <laughs> I'm sure some e-cards has already done that. Mm. No. So let's go into more detail. Um, Sweden seems really interesting. Tell yeah. them what it's all about it. I will. <laughs> all of our hypothetical issues. Um, my mom and I, I graduated from May. Bar exam in July after I took the bar exam, my mom and I went to the Sweden for two weeks as my graduation present, and also it was a mom had never been abroad, so that was exciting. And our family is originally from Sweden. And uh, so we were going to wear our clothes, and it was amazing. It was seriously amazing. It was beautiful. It was profoundly familiar in a weird way. I mean, it was like northern Minnesota, but also not. And um, we went all over the place. We drove for 1,800 kilometers. Never saw a damn moose until we went to the and uh, they have crossing signs all over the place. And, uh, I'll link a picture of the, the sign. Seriously, these are shady They're moves that look like they are up to something. Please tell uh, me that's on the postcards. Oh, yeah, there's a postcard. <laughs> you can get dish towels, uh, a Oh, shit. I have to edit that out. 
She's going to hear about the Swingers Club anyway. You might as well leave it in. <laughs> no, no, it's your Christmas present. <laughs> anyway, you, all sorts of things you can buy with the, the Moose Crossing Fund. Um, we took an unexpected ferry ride. We're driving along this tiny little road, and we see a sign of a car falling off a cliff. And we're like, what the fuck? Does that mean? <laughs> we come around a curb and there's a line of cars waiting. And I stop and I kind of look ahead and you can see that there's a lake off to the side. I'm like, so the bridge is up? No, no. I know what the sign for a drawbridge looks like. That isn't it. Oh, pro tip. If you're going to be driving in a foreign country, you maybe should check out what the traffic and street signs look like and what they all mean. <laughs> Oh, I just think that's a good idea. Insane. Anyway, <laughs> so we're waiting and going. Well, maybe there's a ferry. I mean, good. Wait, and sure enough, not long. And I'm sitting there going, I really hope no one rear ends us because we come around a curve and down a hill, and there's the butt end of our run. <laughs> And sure enough, the ferry comes along, and we all struggle on, and take the ferry across this lake. And we have a weird pizza. Um, I let mom order, mom wanted to order the pizza. She was not as good at food words as I was, and the menu wasn't in English. So she ended up getting a pizza that had kebab meat, tomatoes. <laughs> I think mushrooms and Bernays sauce. That sounds amazing. That actually does. I'm reasonably sure my dad is older than me. <laughs> and I mean, it was it was tasty. I was really hungry, um, but it also was like, oh, okay. Well, mom, I think first word we're gonna need to teach you is cheese. <laughs> Um, we went to Stockholm, we drove around the village that my great-grandmother came from, she left by herself when she was 17. Um, and we went to Bladen, and then we went to Visby for a couple of days, the Isle of Scotland is incredible. It's an 11th century town. They still have the walls and the creaking streets that program all over the place. And ruins and churches everywhere. They were having a medieval festival. And the STA people that I ran into were like, you can touch the walls. Go ahead. You can touch it. And I'm like, no, I can't. <laughs> you don't understand. <laughs> This is, like, older than anything in my entire life. By a magnitude. I can't touch it. I'm like, no, you can touch it. You can pee on it. They can't even pee on it. <laughs> oh, I love that that's a specific thing you can't do. Yeah. <clears throat> that sounded amazing. That was amazing. Mom was kind of predictably adorable. 
science fiction. <laughs> We're going through the cathedral in Ursula, where the kings and queens were crowned for many, many years. And it's in the 13th century, and we were only in Ursula for like half a day. And I said, oh, if we have time, I'd like to go. She'd go up to the old part of the town, and she looks at where I'm pointing and goes, Old Town, looks at the cathedral and goes, 13th century. I need to recalibrate my definition of old, don't I? Mums are like that. Last time I took a trip with my mother, she kept on trying to touch things in a museum. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, she actually walked up to the guard, because her logic was, if it's not behind a rope or glass, you should be allowed to touch it. So she actually walked up to the guard, and was it, we were in Vienna for a few days. She's like, can I touch this? And he was like, he looked at her like, nobody's ever asked it. Like, who thinks no. that's okay? He was like, no. But she kept on trying. I had to make her put her hands in her pockets like a toddler. So she would stop trying to, like, touch centuries-old art and statues. <laughs> well, you can see when I'm trying to resist my urge to touch all the things, because I'll walk around with my hands folded behind the back, which is what I was taught to do when we go to antique stores when I was four. Was the stuff in those antique stores anyone year as old as the stuff in Sweden? Of course not. But I still want to touch all the things. I'm a very tactile person. And and then it, at one point I looked up we were in one of the many museums we were in and mom's looking around with her hands folded behind her back. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my summer vacation. See, that would have to be me, because young me saw do not touch signs as a case of challenge accepted. <laughs> so, what was your internship like, Kaylee? Let's stay in Europe. Okay, well, sort of brief sum up, I graduated from university in June. Um, and then I worked at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in August, which is the biggest arts festival in the world. Where all the comedians and all the theatre and music and art just comes to the capital city of Scotland for the month. And I spent that month picking leaflets up from the ground and directing children to the toilets 10 hours a day. Um, which was, it was actually a lot of fun. And I loved Edinburgh during festival time. It was great to make some money out of it instead of spending all the money. And I got to see a few shows for free and I got to see Reanimator the Musical, which is the single greatest achievement of mankind as far as I'm now concerned. All musicals should come with a splash zone where you sit in the front row and get sprayed with fake contestants. That's all I'm saying. Nice. It's great. I mean, it's a musical based on a, a Lovecraft story. What is not to like? But anyway, right. after um, the festival was done, I got offered an internship to help run a book festival. If you know anything about me, it's essentially dream internship. So I went down to Dumfries and Galloway, which is southwest of Scotland, to a town called Wigtown which is Scotland's national book town. They, their, their main industry in this tiny town, 900 people, is uh, second-hand bookshops. And every year they have this really massive book festival to sort of celebrate it. So I got to help sort of put that together and sort of run around with chairs to make sure everyone has seats and then clean up after everyone else. And sort of the same work I've been doing during the summer festival, actually, except there were books and there were offers. And I ended up having tea with politician who worked with Margaret Thatcher and it was the strangest experience of my life and I got three books out of it and I made, met some great people and I really can't describe just how much fun it was. I mean it was incredibly stressful as well because 
I was not familiar with this town at all, and everyone would come up to me and say, oh, hi, how do you do this and this? And I would have absolutely no idea. <laughs> and it's such a small town, and everyone says hello and waves to you and smiles at you in the street, which I'm just not used to at all. Yeah. So, like, the second day that me and the other interns were there, you know, we were having these conversations with people in the local supermarket, and they sort of knew everything about us and how we were there as the interns, and it was... All I could think was, oh, it's getting a bit Twin Peaks now. <laughs> they were absolutely lovely, but all I could think of was, like, the Wicker Man in Twin Peaks. So. <laughs> Wicker Man's north of Scotland, so it's okay. Oh. Yeah. The further north you go, the more you have to worry about that stuff. But um, it got a bunch of free books out of it. There was, we were sent into this warehouse to pick out some old books for a display. So imagine a warehouse with about 10,000 books, and you pick out a couple of hundred. And say, you can keep whatever you want, by the way. Rubbing the hands of glee. I, I, I rubbed <laughs> myself before, actually, which was quite lucky. Um, if they'd left me any, there any longer, I don't know how I would have got everything home. But by the end of the day, I, by the end of the internship, I came away with 12 favorites. Which is quite tame by my standards. So, but, I mean, I could have gone a lot crazier, but I think my parents are glad that I didn't. So, <laughs> they just suddenly asking why the bag was so heavy, and I started pulling out all of these books to show my mother. Well, luckily she started reading some of them, which is great, because my mum doesn't really read. So, right. I am an excellent influence. <laughs> so, I got, where I, I that... got to watch a couple events at the festival, but not that much because I've been working at it. But one of them was, um, there was this guy called Ian Buxton, who's a whiskey expert. And he was doing a whiskey tasting night, so I had to do waitressing for it. Which was, you know, handing out the glasses, would you like some water with your whiskey? And cleaning up when people drop glasses and things. And at the end of the night, there was a bunch of half-full bottles of whiskey. And he just said, help yourself. I don't even like whiskey, but I was just excited because it was free alcohol and I'm Scottish. Right. Books and booze. Sounds actually... Yeah, I, this was essentially what it was. It was books and booze. And I got some excellent free chocolate out of it because there's a chocolate factory in Dumfries and Galloway, which we didn't get to visit, but we got the chocolate, which was the important element. But also, um, Dumfries and Galloway is the darkest place in Scotland. It has the clearest night skies. So for the final night, me and the other interns went stargazing in the forest, and it was just the most beautiful experience. It's one of those things you don't really notice, because in Edinburgh there's a huge amount of light pollution. Mm -hmm. We got out of the car and we looked up, oh, fuck, look at that! <laughs> and there, um, one of the other interns who was a friend of ours, he brought along a massive telescope and we set it up and we looked for Jupiter and Venus and everything. And it was, even though I was you know, stuffed up with the cold, I had to go and hide in the car for a while next to the heater. It was just an absolutely beautiful experience. And I couldn't even take pictures of it, because I have a crap phone the camera. And there's nothing that really can sort of describe the experience of just seeing something so simple that you think you see every day and you don't really. So I, might, I might have to dig up some proper photos of it because um, the theme of the book festival was the dark skies and we had a guy from NASA come and talk about it and we had open air oh, movie nice. screens happening. Yeah, the guy from NASA was awesome. Like, we were all really quite starstruck by this guy. Just <laughs> it wasn't the Mohawk guy. Just like, huh? It wasn't the Mohawk guy. Was it? No, it wasn't him, sadly. Oh. No, it was the same. I think he was a I can't remember what he did in NASA. I don't know if he was actually an astronaut, but he was just the loveliest man who we'd sort of dragged to the middle of, well, the edge of nowhere Scotland. And he basically <laughs> answered every question, and he was so unflinchingly polite, and put up with all the weird sort of small-town antics. It was very lovely. He put up with three crazy old women dressed up as Ziggy Stardust doing a dance to Space Oddity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that song ruined for me now. But it, yeah, there was, I, I, I got to get a couple of them, which was pretty cool. Um... They had a night called Wigtown's Got Talent, where it was like the local town talent show, and they tried to get offers to sort of go in for it. And there was this children's offer called Shoe Rainer, who did the 
one of Ariel's soliloquies from The Tempest. And we were all expecting it to be a bit weird, and he started doing it in this operatic voice, and everyone just started cheering. It was amazing. <laughs> like, you're such a badass. You're my kind of badass, you know, the Shakespearean kind. Damn right. Shakespeare had some of the best. I think it because it was just so much fun. And then they had a Kaylee, of course, and usually I come in really handy there, because I've got the match name, and no one asked. I was dead bitter. I did the sort of typical sit in the corner with a glass of wine thing, stare as everyone else gets flung across the room. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 more sympathy, please. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. Uh, this thing is, my friends are all predominantly English and they love having Kayleys, so I usually fit in right there because it's actually compulsory part of Scottish education to learn how to do most of those dances. So, I was all ready for it and no one asked, so I just got a little fed drinks. You know. Well, there's a. Yeah. More I'm just going to come across in this, po- this podcast as an increasingly indifferent stereotypical Scottish alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's. that's- <laughs> I think that's okay. I read, I read this ridiculous article online about the film Brave. It was like, it's stereotyping, it's oppressive stereotyping of Scots as these rowdy, drunking, you know, uh, partiers. And say, have you ever been to Scotland? That's actually quite accurate. <laughs> well, we got a Scot, a Russian, and a lawyer, so I think we could have called our podcast Coke and Booze. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Uh, we were we were told in the immigration museum that that like all of like the good Swedes were the ones who left to go build a better life in America. So the ones that were left in Sweden were the drunks and the lazy assholes. <laughs> <laughs> and Abba. <laughs> and Abba. <laughs> That's pretty much all I know about Sweden. Abba, and for some reason, a lot about the Swedish royal family. I have no idea why. Well, they're adorable. They're also, like, not very cute. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm and a one of the princes is really good looking. Okay. Yes, yes, he is. The rest <laughs> of Europe gets really good looking royals, and we in the Commonwealth. Well, you know, Hot Harry. Hot Harry, and hopefully Kate Middleton's beautiful throne. <laughs> yeah. We need something to save the world from the Windsor jeans, because that is a decreasingly ugly-looking family. <laughs> True. Wills, Wills was cute until he started to lose his hair and look more like his grandfather. Well, if you look at the pictures of, like, Prince Edward and Prince Andrew and stuff, they're good until they get about to 25. Yeah. And then there's, like, a switch. Yeah. And then, like, the, the male pattern baldness hits in, and then the sort of, like, increasing length of the teeth. So. Yeah. But there was... A picture floating around, I want to say it was Facebook, but probably on Tumblr too, of uh, the Duke of Edinburgh and the Queen. One was like 50 years ago, and he's looking at her adoringly. And there's one that was like two months ago, in pretty much the same area, same expression. She's wearing the same brooch, because of course she is. <laughs> and he's looking at her adoringly. And I haven't seen that picture. It's he, so cute. It's so cute. But you look at the, the younger Duke of Edinburgh and go, shoot, he really, Wills really does look like him. <laughs> Fitting fucking image. That's why I'm always this amazed. This is when there's awkward. Like, <laughs> there's like a huge conspiracy that uh, Prince Harry isn't you know, the son of Prince Charles. I was like, have you ever put pictures of him next to Prince Philip, Duke yeah. of Edinburgh? Yeah. No. Like, lose the ginger. It's the same man. 
But I'm, I'm quite amused by the sort of the fangirl following Prince Harry has right now. Well, everyone's seen his dick. Maybe <laughs> actually, because I've only seen like two of the pictures. One where he's, he's popping them, and the other one where you just see his arse. I didn't see anything else, and I'm, I'm quite disappointed by that. Yeah, if there is one, one royal whose dick you expect to see eventually, it's Harry, let's face it. <laughs> because we've all seen Williams. <laughs> well, you guys haven't seen those photos? No, I don't think so. He got caught weeing against the fence in some of the picture. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So proud of my royal family. Yeah. <laughs> if I must be an anti-monarchist living in Great Britain, I should at least get some action out of it. <laughs> My favourite thing is still was during the Olympics opening ceremony when they had the opening parade of the countries and they would go, there's Norway, and they'd cut to the, the Norwegian royal family waving and jumping up and down, and they did it with Spain, and then it goes to the UK, and it's just the Queen checking her nails. <laughs> that British stoicism wins again. But to be fair, she had this parachute, which was probably natural. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, I do love that picture somebody took of her from the opening ceremonies in Campshire that look at all these countries I used to own. Yeah. I'm pretty sure she was the only royal who arrived with James Bond that day, so she could lord that over the rest of them. Yeah, True, but did you know Dan Craig didn't come out when she came out? I'm thinking, did she dispose of him or something? Probably. You have been terrified, Mr. Bond. <laughs> Which I think falls like in line with the plot of the next movie anyway. <laughs> Are you saying the Queen is M? <gasps> you never know, she could well, be... Well, M is Judy Dent. Dentist played Queen Victoria. Oh my god! We figured it out. You could always alternate, you know, between Helen and Judy Dent and the Queen anyway, couldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> you throw in a little Emily Blunt in there for the Queen, and you're good. Oh, I love Emily Blunt. Have you seen the Victoria? I have, actually. Oh. Me and my friends yeah. snuck into it when it came out. It was entirely worthy. We went to see Watchmen, and I forgot my student card, so I had to pay the full price, and I was really annoyed. <laughs> and when the film ended, he snuck into some terrible horror movie that had Gary Oldman in it, and it was like a demon child of some kind, I can't remember the name of it. And then afterwards, he snuck into Game Victoria. I was getting my money's worth. I had you're, to pay the full price. You're really not doing anything to, to fight the stereotype. Cheap skin from Scott. <laughs> Did you sneak drinks too? That's all we need to complete the picture. No, not into this one. I've done that before, for This year, the Eurovision Song Contest. Um, oh, my local I art love. house cinema did a screening of it on the big screen, uh, live, and they relaxed their no food and drink into the cinema rules, so my friend brought in, like, boxes of wine. <laughs> but you have to drink during Eurovision. Exactly! That was my excuse. <laughs> I got wrecked that night. Oh, you have to. It's such I, a I still don't remember awesome about part of that evening, actually. I remember Jedward, sadly, but... Um, Hard to forget. Like, there's a lot of it I don't remember. And we all got flags and we got to wave them. And then apparently everyone started getting drunker and shouting more racist things at the screens. So it was like, well done, Britain! <laughs> Which so we were actually thinking, me and my friend who's in Eurovision, that we were thinking of going to Sweden next year for Eurovision. But it's not in Stockholm, it's in some smaller place. It's really hard to get to. So the idea has been vetoed, sadly. Uh, there are things I, I don't know if I would trust myself to get drunk in a foreign country during Eurovision. Well, I'm pretty sure nobody else would be sober around you, so... Oh, it's going to be in Malmo. Malmo's beautiful. It was really hard to get to from Scotland, so... It's across the... You go to Denmark very expensive, walk. and I'm trying to pay for my master's next year, so... Oh, whatever. I'm afraid it. <laughs> the get education is out. What are you getting your master's in? Uh, hopefully theater and performance studies. I want to specialize in writing about politics and drama. 
politics and drama. It's basically the combination of everything yeah. I love. Yeah. So. But I did my um, I did my honours dissertation on post-Thatcher era political theatre in the UK, and I want to continue writing about um, what came afterwards. And my dream is to essentially write the um, definitive piece on political drama in the era of David Cameron. That's really that. sad, isn't it? No, I support that. That's not awesome. <laughs> sad. I think I've already started. I must amuse myself sometime during this government. Oh, politics. It's sad that we're now kind of old enough to pay attention to politics because it doesn't, it just makes me sad, the things that are going on. In yeah. Canada, it's not any better than anywhere else, but then, like, in Russia, it's really a mess. I'm just like, oh. I know, it's David Cameron, Putin, and Stephen Harper. It's a. Uh, oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, Shoot me now. <laughs> I just need this election season to end because I need the emails to stop. <laughs> like, I get 10 a day from Roger Palmer by the crowd. Ready to crowd? Yes, Joey's in the crowd. He's like a puppy, isn't he? He is like a puppy. Roll the ball, roll the ball. Michelle going, How hot was my husband? Yes, he's really hot. <laughs> Democrats, I need money. Obama's True, lackeys, please give me money. Three bucks, whatever. It's like, I love you guys. Like, you're acting like a greasy cousin. Come by. Uh, always needing a couple of bucks. Just sign them over. Just sign them over. I know you're going to be back tomorrow to ask me for another three bucks. And I never pay it back. I don't have a grown up job. I don't have three bucks to spend. I'm sorry. A couple of years ago, when I was starting to really get interested in British politics actually post-election season I was cutting through my email uh, and my emails came up and it came the email said from David Cameron and it turned out one of my friends had signed me up to the Conservative Party mailing list <laughs> <was a> joke <laughs> <laughs> and I went on Twitter I was like which one was this and it took about six months for them to admit which one had done it they feared the wrath terrified and thinking that that man has started sending you emails with your name in them it's a bit 1984 you know yeah very view of vendetta we've been watching you I actually get a surprise amount of emails about from, like, anything democratic because I was actually way more interested in American politics than I was British politics, so... As you put it... I want this election season to be over. I'm just so tired of it. Yeah, it did seem to be fairly long. I'm so tired of Paul Ryan's face. Oh. It's like Herman Munster crossed with something from Saved by the Bell. Oh my god, that's so accurate. Have you seen the photo shoot he did? Is it men's health or something like that? Yes. Oh, is that where those pictures are from? They're all, all over Tumblr with, like, funny captions. Welcome to Grindr, Congressman Ryan. Yeah, it was really disturbing. But then again, have you seen photo shoots that our Prime Minister does? It's not that hard. Yeah. Well, I'm from a state who has a senator who has a senator who Oh, yeah, you've got Scott Brown. Sorry about that. God willing. Come on, Warren. Please She's God. one of the heroes. Stephen Harper photographs like a robot, but Putin puts out the best pictures of like he's always shirtless and with a rifle and he's hunting something or <laughs> shooting something or he's being a crane during Speaking the migration. Of political theater. Putin has that shit. No. <laughs> that man is just whoever is running that man's PR team is you know he's kind of brilliant at what he does. Oh, she, she, I'm guessing it's me. Yeah, probably. Well, then see, again, the, the political party I'm a member of has a leader who looks like a cross between Ray Romano, a panda, and Wallace from Wallace and Gromit, so... 
in an adorable way, I should say that I'm actually a huge supporter of this, but the man is the most awkward and photographed man on the planet. He outdoes Harper, put it that way. Okay. Too well, much depressing politics. Let's do something geeky and fun. Right, well, you yeah. haven't talked about Louisiana yet, and the fact you only died. Oh, yeah. Not geeky and not so much fun, but okay. Uh, was almond was supposed to be geeky and fun because, um, as made of fail listeners will know, uh, Dana lives in Louisiana. Now she's in New Orleans and my husband's family is a couple of hours drive, uh, but we were planning to make a trip. Um, so we we're, while we were down there, and then of course Isaac happened and Dana, um, was obviously not up for any guests, like quite a few visits got cancelled. That was really a bummer. Um, so we spent the week, and the only geeky thing we ended up doing was playing a tabletop game called Munchkin that was on featured on Will Wheaton's tabletop, and it's actually really, really fun. <laughs> uh, so did that with the family, and then on the drive back, we basically caught up, because uh, Lafayette, the town where the family is, just got some rain and wind. Uh, it's too far away from the coast to really get hit by the hurricane, so everybody was fine. On the way back north, we caught up with the hurricane, so we're in Tennessee, middle of nowhere in Tennessee, and we drive into a, like a wall of rain, and a minute later, a woman going the opposite direction on the on the high, on the interstate, hydroplanes, loses control, slides across the median, and then goes head on into us at 50 miles an hour. Uh, and my husband just there was somebody tailgating us too, so the the, the pickup truck tailgating us slid into the right lane and blocked us in. So my husband couldn't avoid it altogether. He could just kind of turn right at the last second just to take the collision off the head-on part and uh, take it onto the driver's side. But uh, he, he was a bit hurt. There's still some residual uh, soreness. I wasn't hurt at all. Um, it was just, you know, we're stuck in the pouring rain on the side of the interstate in the middle of nowhere in Tennessee. Oh. So, you know, got home like 24 hours later. <laughs> Yeah, that was an adventure. I remember. I I think when I got home, I, I like tweeted, almost died in in an accident. But I didn't. People were like, "Oh my god!" I called my mother from the hospital, and I was like, "Mom, okay. The first thing is we're okay." And mom was like, "The second thing being what?" <laughs> well, we have no more. Like the car is no more. The car is fighting for the fjords, and you know we're in the hospital. But we're okay. We, I got home later, and I. I I, I spent that day just answering phone calls from family as the, kind of the news spread, and I basically would answer the phone with, we're okay. And then the conversation would happen. Um, my mom later told me that was the exact right thing to do, because if you open with, we were in a car accident, yeah, well, you know, like how that, so at, at least whatever follows, she knows that everybody's safe. So that was my summer adventure. Not, not, I would rather be in Sweden or in an internship in a bookshop, I'll be honest. Well, yeah, that's understandable. But good. Now, now it's a story to tell. Now it's kind of behind us. And <sighs> anybody want to go back to politics? <laughs> no, no. But <laughs> you were gonna segue into something geeky. Yes. Move on. <clears throat> Did you get that book we want to talk about? Baden. Uh, I I did get it. What uh, book? The re- the listeners are asking now. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, this one's your baby. So. <laughs> That's great. Uh, so, uh, I've mentioned being Russian. I do actually, it's my native language. I speak it, read it, write it. Um, so, there is this series of Russian fantasy uh, novels. Uh, I want to call them novels, but they're really kind of short story collections, I guess, more. Um, they're fantastic. 
they came out in Russia kind of the mid-90s, and I've been talking about them to my friends here and uh, ever since I could remember, and about a year ago, one of them showed up in an official English translation. I bought it for my best friend as a gift right away because I just, okay, now I can make people read it in English. There's no more excuse. It exists. It is awesome. I'm so happy. Uh, the first book in English is called The Stranger. Uh, the author is, well, the, the, the author on the book is Max Fry. Uh, Max being the name of the main character. It is actually a woman. Uh, Svetlana, and I should have her name up here, but I don't. Oh my god. Uh, it's, it's Ukrainian, Svetlana Martinchik. That's right. Uh, a, a Ukrainian, uh, writer, and she writes the books basically as if from the main character's point of view. Uh, the entire series is called The Labyrinth of Echo. I think it's some of the best in modern Russian fantasy because there's a lot of classical Russian sci-fi fantasy that's actually really, really good. But among the modern books, this this would be my pick. And I was really looking forward to making everybody read it by talking about them here. Well, like you said, I bought it. I haven't exactly read it yet because I, I was working on a review for Star Trek. Yeah, I write reviews for one that's all Oh, I'm looking forward to that because that's actually how I first uh, <laughs> met me, is uh, on the uh, Smart Pitches. We like our trashy books. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's sort of destroyed my life. Um, so it's, it's next time I choose the red pile. And I have an excuse for not eating it. I just state that I was going down to my internship and my Kindle broke. <gasps> and so I was like tweeting while I was stuck in Glasgow waiting for the train, thinking, my Kindle is broke, I'm taking a picture of it, don't tell me what to do. And just said, yeah, it's broken, you're going to have to send it away, get it fixed, so, or get it replaced. And luckily, I emailed them yesterday to ask about getting a replacement, and they sent me a new one. No, I emailed them on Friday, and they sent me a new one the next day, so I was like, wow, oh, thank yeah. you. They're so, really good. Oh, no, I need to. Yeah, they were really good in customer service, can't fault them at all, so I'm basically going to, you know, charge it up, put all my books back onto it, because I had a few books to, to review, and I've, um, I started reviewing a bunch of dystopian young adult novels for a project I was doing, and I kind of had to put it on the back burner due to review fatigue and, um, jobs and internships and stuff, and need to get back into that, so I will read it soon, I promise. <laughs> then we can talk about it next time. Yes. That's right. <clears throat> And hopefully entice more people into reading it. Exactly. There's now a second book out. I know the series in Russian is in, I think, seven volumes? All right. So uh, there's two of them out now for those who want to get a head start after hearing this. Um, they're, really good. they're kind of a, a humor, uh, urban fantasy, a little bit of detective like mystery smattered into it. Um, quite recommend them. I was actually at the point where I was willing to translate them myself for my just my friends and family. <laughs> They're that good. I'm looking forward to reading because I don't actually read a whole lot of um, a lot of that genre. I sort I sort of go through phases where I'll read a lot of one genre and then I'll get sick of it and then move on to another one and then you know, repeat that pattern. So I'm currently stuck on reading a lot of nonfiction because for some reason it depresses me a whole lot less than fiction nowadays. So I like nonfiction. I went into a whole big kick of. Uh, like, Tudor biographies. Um, I, 
Alison Beers. It's pretty good. I like her. I like the way she writes about it. Um, finished Eleanor Vacuating very recently. Uh, and L- oh, Elena Herman is probably some of my favorite to reread. Have Have you guys read her stuff? No. Uh, she has, as far as I know, three books. It might have been more, but um, her first one was Sex with Kings, which was followed by Sex with a Queen. Um, and what they are is they cover 500 years of European history, kind of Middle Ages to modern times, and they are brief biographies of royal lovers and mistresses of all the European royalty. And she writes, it's, it's, it's great. It's like reading great gossip. And she writes with such humor, and um, it's just, it's so it's easy reading, but it's historical. Oh, it's just fantastic. I recommend them as gifts. I recommend them to people who just want to read something nonfiction, but not particularly heavy or scholarly. So, yeah, Eleanor Herman, Sex with Kings and Sex with a Queen. Uh, get my stamp of approval. And, uh, you know, you guys read also um, romance, so... I mean, this isn't romance, but, you know, it's kind of in that vein because right. it's relationships and yeah. it's kind of raunchy. And it's really great. I'm currently juggling two non-fiction books. One is Shakespeare's Wife by Jeremy Greer, which is a biography of Anne Hathaway. But it's not really a biography of Anne Hathaway. It's mm. more um, Greer sort of getting angry at male scholars and historians who sort of cut the wives <laughs> out of history. It's um, a really good description of it. It is. I mean, like the basically the entire opening of it is just you know, wow, all you people just Stephen Greenblatt, all of you guys, you just really suck. You just made these women out to be total shrews, and you know nothing about them. And it's very obvious that Greer doesn't have a lot to work on when it comes to mm. Anne Hathaway. There isn't a lot known about her, which is why people have jumped to huge conclusions about her. But I think she's making a very interesting point, and she's such a snarky writer at times. It's quite entertaining because I tend to get very, very cold with Jeremy Greer. I think mm. she can be very archaic in a lot of things, but I think she's, she knows her stuff here. Not particularly um, quick to read, but it is really pretty interesting. So if you're interested in it um, and you'd like to see Anne Hathaway get a fair shake, I would recommend it. Um, the other one I'm reading is one I got from my internship, because the offer came to talk there. Uh, it's called The Ancient Guide to Modern Life by Natalie Haynes. And Natalie Haynes is a comedian and a, a classicist, and she's writing about the parallels between modern life and the ancient Greeks and ancient Romans, and how basically we just have a habit of repeating ourselves. Yeah. It's definitely one of those very sort of popular historical novels, uh, not novels, books, where um, she, she writes very wittily, she makes a lot of comparison between things like soap operas and British comedy and things like that. Um, and even if you don't read a whole lot of the classics, I've read some, not as much as I probably should have through my degree, but she, she writes very entertainingly, um, which is a good thing when you're handling something as potentially sort of heavy as the Greeks and the Romans. <laughs> um, I've been I've been in law school and bar exam recovering all for the past few months, so lots of light, soothing things in my entire brain. Um, I, I'm doing a Roman feast for 150 people in February, but there's a for that. Awesome. Roman cookbooks and all of that, so I have those scattered all over. Hold on, hold on. Before we move on, uh, okay. Roman feast for 150 people? Yes. Um, I'm part of the Society for Creative Anachronism, which is historical reenactment, and we're an international 
group that's been around since the 60s, was started by Hippies in Berkeley, like the thing R. <laughs> and my group in Boston is doing an event in early February where I will be cooking the dinner for 150 people who will be roaming. And there'll be a lot of honey involved. I promise not to pick any grains. So, oh, that figs, olive oil, figs, olive oil, um, dormice. I'm not going to do dormice because the the actual animal that was the dormice is now extinct, and all of the fakes that people come up with are obviously fakes. So, no dormice. Um, but one of the dessert dishes is going to be dates that have almonds stuffed in them. Kind of be like the cake pits, and then you fry it in honey and sprinkle a little bit of salt on it. Mm. Have you seen the um, the British TV show The Supersizers? No. Um, Supersizers is with um, Giles Carr, who's a food critic, and Sue Parker, who's a British comedian, and they eat the food of different eras and they dress up in costume and tend to just get really drunk and make a lot of puns about the era they're in. And they did an episode in Ancient Rome where they basically just made all these people be their slaves as they brought out lots of carcasses of meat and all the food that they ate. And then they got progressively drunker. Um, it's a really entertaining show and I believe it's all on YouTube. Uh, they did Ancient Rome, they did the Tudors, Edwardian era, um, they did the 1920s and things like that. Um, and they have really great chemistry as they get progressively drunker and make more puns. Excellent. I will check that out. So check it out if you're interested. It's called the Supersizers. But they, they did all the eating of dormice, and uh, I believe they had to fry uterus at one point as well. Yeah. A human? No. Uterus? No. <laughs> I mean, I don't I'm need Come on! <laughs> I mean, more in terms of, is that what the original dish would have been? No. Well, apparently, there was an, it was an ancient Roman custom to eat the sort of organ of something you were trying to gain more sort of strength in, so like it was right. considered a fertile food to eat if you were trying to conceive. You know, kind of like the homeopathy of food. Mm-hmm. And it made just as much sense back then as it does now. Exactly. Plus also... Uterus. Sounds, sounds something that Edward Cullen would eat. <laughs> okay, seriously, we almost made it without a Twilight reference. <laughs> And you ruined it! Time, <laughs> oh, come on, Kaylee's on the podcast. And you were the one who ruined it! <laughs> but she's the one who brought up the fight uterus. <laughs> I'm a little worried about how many people instantly say, hey, you know about Twilight and Fifty Shades. Would you, have you read this already? Like, is that the reputation I have now? Oh my yes. god. Well, it's like poor Cleolinda drinks. <laughs> <laughs> Who's like, you're a Twilight blogger. And she's like, no. Not really. I guess I am, but no. I get that a lot as well. People say, this book sounds really horrible and sexist and violent. You should read it. I know you'd hate it. <laughs> yeah. It's just I like to watch your page. Right. No, I get that too. People think that my problem is funny. But yeah, okay, it is. <laughs> at least I try to make it at least entertaining. <laughs> is it going to be... I'm right enough decent that kind of film, actually. Three months. Yeah, the last review I wrote was um, by Han Moskowitz, which you should all read when it comes out in uh, January, by the way. Okay. It's got magical gay fish boys in it. You have to read it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Look forward to that. 
So I don't get very enthusiastic about YA in terms of the books I genuinely love and want to shove in people's faces. Mm-hmm. But anything that Hannah Moskowitz writes, I will sort of wave in someone's face and say, if you don't read this, we're not friends anymore. <laughs> Which is great, because all my best mate reads is like, um, Keats and Dickens and The Hunger Games. Oh, Keats, Dickens and The Hunger Games. Hunger Games. <laughs> yeah, he used to mock me a lot for reviewing YA, and then he read The Hunger Games and got proper jump up and down clapping like a seal excited over it. That is where good books. Oh, like, right, right now, you, you guys are aware of Mark Dunn stuff, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he's doing the new Slush trilogy, which I was, I was gonna be good. I was gonna read it along with him one chapter at a time. I was gonna do it, and that resolved last four whole chapters. <laughs> and then I finished the first book in a day, and then finished the next day. <laughs> and those were amazing. Use flesh by Mary Grant. There are a lot of things about them. Oh, yeah, you should read them. Um, I I am of delicate disposition. I get freaked out easily, so I didn't sleep for three days. Because <laughs> zombies. But they're really good! He's also doing Mark Play's uh, Dragon Age Origins now, which is the one I'm excited about. <laughs> I love those games. I'm looking forward to Dragon Age 3, and I'm probably just about the only fan who kind of liked the second one better than the first thing. This is not a popular opinion. We're all about unpopular opinions. Bring it on. I I stand by any game that has Gideon Emery's voice in it. Featured Keith That Man has the sexiest voice in existence. <laughs> Which is apparently all it takes for me to like a game. And my but dad I also is like... in my family, so... That's one interesting I'll... thing about being home, is watching my dad play... Halo and Call of Duty and uh, Batman Arkham Asylum and do it on Xbox Live and just shout at the people who are better than him at it. Oh, he gets into shouting matches with the 13-year-old boys? Oh. Yes, he does. <laughs> he really does. It's quite funny. Or they, they usually play the whole, oh, you're Scottish, where's your haggis and your kilt? <laughs> he just gets even angrier than that. It's so entertaining because when I was younger, I had a PlayStation solely for the reason that my dad wanted to play a PlayStation so we had to get his daughter one. Um... And we had it set up in our living room, and we would watch my dad playing games, and my dad's colorblind. So there would be bits in games where you'd have to hit, like, a bomb that was a certain color. So mm-hmm. me and my mum would just go, red, green, red, green, hit it out! No, no, you've blown yourself up! Look what you've done! <laughs> this was how my family bonded. It was beautiful. Oh. <laughs> That's kind of how I became, uh, got into geeky things, is watching my older brother. He, um... He's the one who read, like, all the books and played video games, and he's ten years older than me, so I would sit and watch him, and he would tell me, no, you have to read this and play this, and kind of, you know, uh, raised me to be a mini-geek in his image. So I like watching people play video games. How about you, Rain? I don't really play video games. Did anybody raise you to be their mini-geek? Um, not too sure. I mean, mom gave me books when I was little. I learned how to read from Richard Scarry's Busy Busy World, which I finally found a copy of the original that I managed to acquire from a book sale, and so excited. I had to fight someone for it. <laughs> <laughs> and I just read anything I could get my hands on. Um, I was introduced to science fiction by a friend of mine in elementary school. For my birthday gave me First three books. Oh. And so, you know, Anne McCaffrey had gave me drugs. Many other people, and I really think we should have an episode where we just kind of talk about her. There's a lot to unpack. I've never actually read anything. 
Oh, you fired. <laughs> they're not fantasy. They're sci-fi. Is it? Yeah. It's, yeah. Isn't that the big thing about like a real Anne McCarthy fan knows that they're sci-fi, not fantasy? Yes. <laughs> I'm being shunned so much right now. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We're judging. Shun. Shun. <laughs> so I read the Pern books. I read Dragonlance and got involved in that kind of thing. Right. And, uh, it just sort of snowballed. Uh, the same friend was also the one who introduced me to romance novels. So basically, became like, uh, and I recently reconnected with her on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> and I started playing in the SCA when I was in college. Uh, SCA? Uh, the Historical Reenactment Group. Oh, right, right, right. That's the... And um, I was a theater person. I ended up in law because I'm not very good at being a lawyer. <laughs> Are you good at being a lawyer? I don't know. Since I'm, I'm still waiting for my bar results. And so, um, I, I think I could be good at it. I just don't know if I'm going to be a lawyer. several different areas right now. Well, it's a good thing you spent all that money on that degree. No, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, when I was looking for my current roommate, I would, like, send out emails to people looking for roommates on Craigslist, I'm like, Hello, my name is Raiden, I have a lot of books. Like, a lot, a lot. And she keeps telling me to stop buying books, because people don't have them, but it's true, which is why I'm really happy I have my friend. I'm all for ebooks. I'm, uh, I like... You know, I, I like reading some of the, the non-fiction stuff, especially because biographies tend to have those uh, glossy pages with pictures in them. Um, I, I sometimes prefer that in actual hard copy, but I'm a big ebook fan. I love having my entire library of books with me at any given moment because I'm a big I'm big into rereading. I love rereading complete books. I mean, I'll get the paperbacks depending. I mean, I I do a total price analysis like. I get the paperback for considerably cheaper than the Kindle price, and I'm going to do that because I don't really care what people think about my cover or something. Except for the, the book that I reviewed for Wednesday, which I'm not telling you what it is because it's a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, listeners. I'll make her tell me after the podcast goes off air. We have ways. We have ways. Threat, international threats. <laughs> That's right. I also think about doing an internship in a town that gets this industry from secondhand books. Is I mentioned to my boss that my Kindle broken, and she actually hushed me and said, "Don't mention that word in the town." <laughs> 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 That's what I'm saying. The twenty twenty. All I can think of is um, the Stephen Fry quote where he says, "Books are more threatened by Kindle than stairs by elevators." Exactly, exactly. I mean, I, I worked at Borders before they closed down. And it was generally a great job, although their corporate culture was a fucking mess, which is why they closed. But it wasn't because ebooks destroyed them, it was because their response to the internet destroyed them. They tried to ignore Amazon for a while, and that was a really bad plan. But it wasn't because people now get their books on a Kindle that has nothing to do with anything. Mm. And 
I there are some books that I love so much I need to have a physical copy. I love the smell of books. Thank you, Giles. Oh yes. If there was a Kindle that released the smell of books as you read them, <laughs> books would be obsolete. That's not been invented no. yet. So. Right. You hear that, Amazon? Get on it. <laughs> so like smell vision, but smell of reading. Yeah. It just it lets out a burst of smell, you know, like air fresheners and cars. <laughs> You need to patent that before yeah, somebody. Yeah, I'm patenting. This is how I'm paying for my masters. Uh, see, I actually have uh, a degree in book publishing, and it's what I do. So yeah, it was a good time to get into that. Um, but I work in, in kind of non-consumer publishing right now. Wasn't exactly my dream, but hey, doing related work. So uh, the ebooks aren't so much um, a threat to. I, I do. Um, I, I work in a legal. Uh, for a legal publisher, so ebooks aren't so much a threat as it's more efficient to publish a lot of these just as as websites. Yeah. And I'm kind of seeing, uh, I'm thinking if give it a, a, well, maybe a decade at most, and they'll probably just switch to that, but I still, still got my job. <laughs> for now, at least. They're sort of sticking their toes into putting Facebooks on Kindle. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, it would be a lot lighter. It would be a lot. That is true. But, like, the way that I read cases, I needed to be able to highlight and make ridiculous things. But you can do that on a Kindle. I mean, can, the whole point. Yeah, but I highlighted, like, color coded highlights. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I needed the notes to be, like, right there and not, like, something I had to click. Uh-huh. Um, so they're not quite there yet. I have Well, I remember when I was doing my English degree. Um, when you do that, aside from a few courses of modern, modern literature, a lot of your books are public domain. So I would just go to a class with my laptop and pull up a book online, like on Project Gutenberg or something like that. And I thought it was fantastic. I didn't have to lug a bunch of heavy books. I could just copy paste the text into my notes. I never had to frantically flip looking through the spot the professor was you know, talking about. So yeah, I'm all about the digital reading experience. Of course, if we got into third year, I think it's kind of for curiosity. Because I can barely read your assignment. I wouldn't buy the box, I would scan yeah, I did that. I'm not, I'm not going to lie, I did that on more than one occasion. Breaking the lottery. Yeah. I, I would have loved to have had the Kindle a little earlier in terms of my degree. I only got it the Christmas before my final semester. Because uh, there were some books that are really hard and expensive to get hold of, uh, and they would only have about four copies in the library, so you would either have to get all of your books at the beginning of the semester and keep renewing them for like 12 weeks, or you wouldn't get it. So If you couldn't beat the system, you had to pay. So. I actually still don't have a Kindle. I just have my phone. I've always read on my smartphone. I have the Kindle and Kobo apps. Oh, I have my Kindle, but it's just been completely devoid of battery life. I got my iPad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Kindle, the Kobo app, the Nook app, the iBooks. Yep, I yeah. just kind of shop which has the cheapest price and buy that. And uh, use... Uh, actually, I'll, I'll keep that... Um, I have a pretty good program I use for organizing my ebooks. I might keep it for one of my uh, little uh, 
tech stuff recommendations because I have a particular one for this episode, so I won't talk about it yet. Okay. Well, we could segue into that now that we've successfully saved the book industry from itself. <laughs> <laughs> you can thank us later, book industry. Yep. Next up, stop publishing fan fiction. I would say that's one thing that's been really interesting in this Kindle age is just watching how some publishers are destroying themselves over at Cop Penguin Cop. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One Direction fanfic, everyone! Oh, Which God. I don't even, like, I can't. I can't. I can't. I've, I've lost the patterns. ability to can with that. Just to summarize for people who are listening who have no idea what we're talking about, Penguin Publishing have purchased the rights to a 16-year-old girl's One Direction fanfiction. How's that even legal? I mean, what it's if One Direction... not. Now, you because see, I wrote fanfiction when I was 16. I'm reasonably sure you can still find it online, not under my name, obviously. Um, it wasn't good, but if someone had told me at 16, yeah, you want to publish this, of course I would have said yes. I thought they're kind of exploiting this girl. Well, you know, um, the the young guy who wrote Aragon. But at least he published himself, and it wasn't fanfic. Right. I mean, he might have been Well, fixed, it but is, um, but it isn't, you know. <laughs> was it? What was it a fanfic of? Well, it isn't fanfic. No, it isn't fanfic. Is, if you know what I mean. Well, yeah, I mean, it's de- I'm not saying it's not derivative, but at least it wasn't, you know, we'll just change the names. Yeah, but, I mean, I'll give credit on that much, but this is just... But, I mean, One Direction, can't they sue? Well, that's the thing, because One Direction have been one of the few instances where a band has been very vocal about some of the tin hatters, you know, there are people who believe that a couple of them are, are, you know, hiding their true love for each other, and they came out and said, it's really offensive that you say this about us, I'm in a very happy relationship, and you're, you know, mm-hmm. I know you're fans, but you've got to cut this crap out, and I mean, well, if you're going sure, to they... mess with this management, I don't think we want to do it with these guys. Do you know which fandom is the worst for that? Well, uh, as, as far as I know, Supernatural. Oh, Where... yeah. Oh. Has anyone published Supernatural fanfiction before? I assume someone has done both published for it at some point, but I've never heard of it being given a huge amount of money by a major publisher who have then happily said, yeah, this was fanfiction of real people. Well, I think maybe because the TV show, it's not just the people, it's the TV show, so I think the, 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 stu- the studio owning it would probably put a stop to that really quick. But as for the actual like real person slash, I mean, I know, I don't know... I know one of the actors is married with a kid, and at the time his wife was pregnant, the responses weren't, look, I'm going to let go of my, you know, their gay lover's fantasy now. The responses were, how dare they bring a child into this lie? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's kind of my understanding that, that Jensen and Jared, the actors, have kind of played into it a little bit. Um, at least acting not, not like, oh my god, for each other, but giving little winks and nods to the fandom at times. Well, if Tumblr, Eddie Judge, Misha Collins is the worst for <laughs> Right, well, I've only watched the first two seasons of Supernatural. I, I've only watched one, but yes. I mean... So, I, I don't, I never caught into the Right. It's, I mean, it's kind of sad for me, because you're very <laughs> <laughs> That's the important thing here. You're right. That's, that's, we have that's the takeaway. <laughs> But the thing that I saw, I think it might have been on Phantom Light, I don't know, someone, like, shoved some photo minutes of the pair of them, you know, NC-17-style photo minutes in front of their faces and asked what they thought of it. It's like, limits! Do you guys have none at all? 
No, yeah. no, they really don't. People are Why is your thought process behind you doing that? And also worries me because I've seen reactions to some One Direction fans, and if, there's, if they're getting fanfiction published to them, what are they going to do next? I mean, yeah. if you're giving enough encouragement by someone, particularly a supposedly professional company. Yeah. And, it, and it, you know what? If you're saying One Direction fanfiction, but you have to change the names because they haven't given permission, at this point, isn't it just gay romance set in a band? Just write original fake gay romance set in a band, right? They changed one of the names to Shaq. Can I just point that out? Oh, making really <laughs> <laughs> Publishing industry, I don't understand you. <laughs> no, no. The day that I saw a fanfic that was Twilight in Fifty Shades, it's like no. It's Phantom, you're a circle. You're it's gone. gone to the side. Inception fanfiction. <laughs> we need to go deeper. That's what she said. <laughs> Dana, <laughs> Somewhere Dana just had the urge to take a drink. <laughs> it's the good thing we're under the corporate umbrella. Exactly. <laughs> it's okay, but we could have just changed the name a couple of bits and said that we were simply inspired by it. Exactly. <laughs> it would have been fine. And then somebody would have paid us a lot of money, and... It was like 80, Why didn't you do that? What's that between friends? So, I would like to do my little tech spot recommendation bit. Insert appropriate music here. I guess I would like to bring our listeners uh, an app, a program, or a gadget that I endorse, and I decided to start appropriately with an Android um, podcast listening app for this one, because I believe Google has uh, discontinued their listen app, which I did start with um, to begin with, but I have since moved on to Beyond Pod. Um, it's great. It can um, sync with your Google Read subscriptions. It can queue episodes and stream them, or you can pre-download them and listen, make a playlist. Uh, it's even... Um, you can sort your subscriptions into categories, so it's very versatile, but it's really easy to uh, to use. I like their layout, I like their little player controls, so for anybody who has an Android phone and is looking for a good app on which to listen to our podcast, Beyond Pod has my stamp of approval. We'll find a stamp. <laughs> or something. We use the law and order. Okay. Is there anything else we want to cover this time? Oh, we're about an hour into it. I think it's good for our first foray into ears and minds of our listeners. Exactly. So, next time, probably in about a month, we'll be talking about the screen somehow. And, uh, make Alina read part of it if she's something. <laughs> possibly scary. <laughs> Both. Yeah. I don't know. I was up <laughs> pre-planning skills. We have them. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, we'll talk about other things too. So until then, dear listeners, Noel, I bet you're going to be one of them because that's kind of who you are. Fellow Minnesotans. <laughs> Fellow yeah. Minnesotans. 
fellow Bostonians, Canadians, Polish people. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it sounded like you just been sort of pet across the head. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, that's how it mostly sounds. Yeah. You just start sounding disgruntled with everything. <laughs> well, that is what I've learned from you. <laughs> I'm glad you learned it from Doctor Who and not Braveheart or something, at least. <laughs> no, I was in a movie theater. Well, Braveheart had Dick Scott's, and we have a real one, and that's why we're better. Yes. Take that, One of many, many reasons we're better than Braveheart. So number one is, we have <laughs> Everyone needs a token one. <laughs> yeah. So... This has been a made-up fail production, and we will talk to you all later.